Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Precious D. And I am your host, Honey Bee. Welcome to the show, y'all. Honey Bee, I'd like to start today's episode by saying, I like turtles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Folks, today we are discussing Gamera, the giant monster, Japanese title Daikaiju Gamera, which basically means giant monster Gamera. And the American release was Gamera the Invincible with two M's instead of one M. I read, I guess it was on Wikipedia. I read somewhere that they, the Americans spelled it with two M's because they didn't want people mispronouncing it camera. They thought they might miss, a G can sometimes look like a C and then they thought they might misread the poster or something. So if they put two M's, then they wouldn't, no one would say camera. I guess. (laughs) All right. Well, that solves it. I watched the one with one in. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Both versions are available on Prime, the Japanese version and the English version. The movie has also been done both on Mystery Science Theater 3000 and on Rift Tracks. Oh, nice. (laughs) I've watched three versions of this movie. (laughs) There's the original Japanese with subtitles. Then there's mm-hmm. the American that is dubbed, but with some new scenes, or mm-hmm. some scenes uh, switched out. Well, uh, scenes added and scenes replaced, which we'll get to in a minute. And then years later, uh, a producer named Sandy Frank just did a dub of the Japanese version without oh, okay. the other scenes. And that's the version they use on Mystery Science Theater, but Riff Tracks uses... The American version, oh, <laughs> which I starts off with a, and uh, they make a joke about it. So I want to acknowledge that I'm uh, acknowledge their joke. I don't want to steal their joke, but I think even if I hadn't heard it, I would have had the same thought. That version starts off with a Gamera theme that sounds almost exactly like the Batman theme from 1966. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're going Gamera. Batman! It sounds almost exactly the same. It came out in 65 in Japan, but 66 in America, and I really have to wonder if the Batman show wasn't already on the air when they recorded that. I mean, this movie is a a little bit of a ripoff, so I can... Oh, very much. Very much. It's in black and white, because that's how cheap it is, even though most of the stuff we're watching now is in color. This is in black and white, <laughs> directed by Noriakai Yosa, Yuasa, not sure. And it's produced by Dai Films, who obviously very much just wanted to create their own version of Godzilla. Yeah, I was shocked that this was a turtle. <laughs> shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you somehow have not seen Gamera, or any of the other 11 Gamera movies. (laughs) Gamera is a giant turtle with tusks who breathes fire. He can also 
pull in his legs and head, and then shoot fire out of those holes and turn himself into a spinning flying saucer. That's uh, how he flies. <laughs> it is so fucking cool. I was like, holy, <laughs> that's the coolest twist I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, interesting use of the word cool. <laughs> the movie cost 40 million yen. I don't have a box office on it. The featured monster, of course, is Gamera, and he is 60 meters tall, large, whatever. Aww. <laughs> Approximately 196 feet. And the death count in this movie is 104, but he does save one little child so that makes everything okay he is our juanito panchito shanito of the movie well he is except he is much more depressed <laughs> than any of the other precocious little children that we have seen in these movies he he is sad juanito oh he's sad, sad juanito toshito that is yoshiro uchida as toshiro sakurai playing the depressed Juanito. <laughs> we also have uh, Iji Funakoshi as Dr. Hadaka, Michiko Sugata as Nuboyo Sakurai, Harumi Kiritachi as Kyoko Yamamoto, Junichiro Yamashita as Ayogi, Ayoyagi, Ayoyagi, the reporter, and uh, Another Yoshiro, Kitahara, as Mr. Sakurai, his father. Also, that's that's funny. And Jun Hamamura as Dr. Murasi. Yoshiro Yoshida as the Eskimo chief. <laughs> and George Hiroshi... George... <laughs> somehow, George Hirose as the Japanese ambassador. <laughs> And then there's a bunch of uh, white guys in the American version. It doesn't list the names of the white guys in the Japanese version. I'm sure they're available somewhere, but they don't deserve any credit. They're terrible. <laughs> no one gives a shit. But uh, one of the guys, though, in the American version is Alan Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer? As Dr. Contrere. Yes, so I'm wondering if he's uh, any relation to the more famous Oppenheimer. Uh, yeah, we'll get to those guys in a minute. So, Honeybee, what are your initial impressions of this movie? You know, I was, like I said, shocked that it was a turtle. It took me a while to get over the fact that it was a destructive turtle. That's just hilarious to me. <laughs> um, just to make a turtle like a monster was so funny. And uh, But I thought there was a lot of things in this movie that were great as far as visually. Like, is there some sort of animation in this movie that we haven't seen before? Because there's kind of a few parts that look very cartoonish, if that makes sense. I think whenever he's flying, it's an animation. Yeah, and then there's or parts. There's of it one in. spot too where they're in some sort of they're in some sort of um, lab, and it looks very cartoony when they kind of pull back and things are moving around. And I was like, huh. So I felt like there was things in this movie that we hadn't seen yet. As far as the animation goes, um, the monster itself, I feel like looked great. There were a few derpy moments, but all in all looks great. The roar with the costume. I feel like this is the first time that we've seen 
um, a costume where the roar looks like it's actually and sounds like it's coming from the monster instead of like a puppet and then like a sound effect coming from somewhere else. So I felt like, okay. yeah, I felt like that was something like that we had seen. Um, but there were some things in this movie that I was like, what the hell is, this is such a ripoff. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is such a ripoff. Um, it's, I mean, we've seen the story over and over, I feel like, but it's, I did like it. I do like this movie. Um, and there were a lot of things that I did like about it, especially visually. I felt like. Um, there were things that maybe they ripped off, but did a little bit better. And just because it's 1965 and not like 19, whenever the first Godzilla was, what year was that? 19, was it in the 50s? 53. Yeah, I was going to say 54, 53. Yeah. So maybe they just got like a little bit of a leg up um, because it's the better time. Period. Yeah. They let somebody else do all the groundwork yeah, for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 1954 is the first Godzilla. They let somebody else work out all the kinks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then so they, they kind of got like, oh, we'll let everyone else do the, the shitty part. And then like, yeah, I thought visually it was great. And uh, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, of course, there were obvious okay. things right. that were like, oh, come on. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Because it just feels like such a ripoff. But yeah, I, overall, I liked it. What about you? Oh, it is very much a ripoff. <laughs> uh, gosh, it's hard to say because my my first experience with Gamera was years ago on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh, okay. They did several of the Gamera films on there, and so I've never took him very seriously to begin <laughs> with. It is very much a ripoff, but there is a time later, like in the nineties. When they do a revival oh. of Gamera, they do a three movie revival, and those are actually very good and oh. arguably better than the Godzilla movies that are being made at the time. Oh, shit. In fact, I remember Roger Ebert giving a good review to the first one. And then there's a, a fourth one after those called Gamera the Brave that I don't think is directly connected to them. It, and it's still okay, but it, it's not part of that trilogy. Nice. Yeah, we'll get to those. So there's 12 movies in in total. Holy shit. And, uh... <laughs> well, that's funny. Which is not, not, as much as, not as much as Godzilla. Well, yeah, but that's because it's Godzilla. <laughs> Most of them are during this uh, Showa period, and then there's four in the Heisei period. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the fact that he's a turtle is a little bit It's hysterical. Ridiculous. It's so funny. But I will say his um fire breath is on point. It looks so good. They I, I think I love that it's mm -hmm. just straight fire instead of like like a fog or a smoke or a laser or you know, anything like that. Yeah. It's like it looks great. Love the fire mm -hmm. breath. Love the um fact that he can literally just jet off at any point he just becomes a flying saucer i was like holy yes. shit that was such a twist for me i couldn't believe it the thing i found interesting about this movie is that it is uh, very much about the cold war mm -hmm. uh, these movies tend to reflect whatever it is the people at the time are concerned about and the original godzilla is about nuclear weapons just 
in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. But this movie is still about that, but it's more directly about the political situation of the U.S. and Russia being uh, at odds with each other and places like Japan possibly getting caught in between. Yeah. So I, I found that very interesting and uh, sort of enlightening. Okay. So let's uh, get to the plot, which once again, I'm using a, once again, I'm using a summary from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. In the Arctic, an unknown aircraft is shot down by an American jet fighter. The aircraft crashes and its cargo, an atomic bomb, explodes. So there's some kind of Japanese expedition to the Arctic. It's not entirely clear what it is they're looking for or trying to do, but they're speaking with some local Eskimo tribe, Mm -hmm. which it's 1965, and we're still using the term Eskimo at that time. These days, it's considered pejorative. Mm -hmm. It's also a very general term that covers a number of people, related people, but not identical people. Right, yeah. But they're certainly not intending to use it insultingly, even though the Eskimo chief is played by a Japanese man. Oopsie. At least he's not wearing some... At least he's not wearing some... I mean, you know, he looks Eskimo-ish. He's not wearing ridiculous makeup or anything. Yeah, I read a little bit about this. So that's uh, that's About whether or not, like... Just basically, like, read some about, like, the word itself. And like where it comes from and the uh-huh. etymology of it and why it's kind of looked at as a derogatory ter- term. And some people actually um, still use it like native Alaskans still refer to themselves as Eskimos, um, partly because the word Inuit, which is what we use now, isn't part of the I think it's mm-hmm. Yupik language of Alaska and Siberia. So yeah. some people still use it just yeah. because. Um, but yeah, uh, if you are not an Alaskan or, you know, a Siberian, you shouldn't use So, yeah. Well, I think uh, Yupik and Inuit are two separate groups. Right, exactly. Yeah. Used to be used to be referred, but they would refer to both of them as Eskimos. Eskimos mm-hmm. And they're not really the same thing. Right. But I guess it's a little bit like referring to all Native Americans as Native Americans or as Indians. Right. When um, there, <laughs> there's many different tribes spread out over a whole damn continent Mm -hmm. but you just throw them all under one term and similarly some of them still use the term indian and i believe the government agencies still call the bureau of indian affairs even though we are not in india (laughs) so anyway they are up in the arctic studying they're meeting with these people for some reason it's unclear and they see these planes fly by, and then these other planes shoot them down, and the plane crashes and blows up. And the the scientist who's leading the expedition, uh, Dr. Hadaka, says, uh, well, we're far enough away that the fallout's not going to get us. And I'm like, are you? <laughs> it seems like you're only, I don't know, Maybe 200 yards away from where that plane went well, down. Well, and Dr. Hidaka is a zoologist, so he knows a lot about animals. <laughs> fallout? <laughs> no, animals, not fallout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
But the explosion awakens a giant prehistoric turtle with tusks. Japanese scientists on an expedition nearby, Dr. Hidaka and his assistant Keoko and reporter Oyagi are given a stone tablet by an Eskimo chief who explains that the creature is called Gamera. Mm -hmm. And he calls him the Devil's Envoy. Gamera, the Devil's Envoy. And he happens to have this uh, ancient stone tablet, they're calling it. It's it's a little small for it. I wouldn't call it a tablet. It's a little small. Yeah. But he just happens to have it on him. He's got it in his pocket. I mean, maybe he was already planning to show it to them, I guess. I don't know. He, But it, he has it in his pocket. And then he lets them take it with them. <laughs> that seemed unlikely Yeah, this me. is our most prized <laughs> possession and most important exactly. stone. Why don't you take it, sir, zoologist and lady? <laughs> But uh, Gamera destroys the expedition ship and escapes. I love this um, little <laughs> moment that we have after where Dr. Hidaka is like, as a zoologist, I'm really bummed that Gamera escaped and got away. I'm really sorry about all that. But as far as mankind goes, the world is over. Peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. You mean the little sort of TV appearance yeah, that he has? Yeah. Yes, in a little, in a little bit. Now, uh, with these other two people, though, uh, Kyoko and the reporter, uh, Kyoko is kind of a lady scientist, which we haven't had in a while. Oh. But really, she's just kind of an assistant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's just an assistant. They keep just calling her an, his assistant, and she doesn't do much of anything, uh, which I found disappointing. But in the Sandy Frank dub of it, he introduces her at one point as his daughter what? what neither of the other versions call her his daughter so i think sandy <laughs> just made a decision like, this doesn't make sense they're related now yeah he th i guess he thought it made more sense for the, her to be tagging along if she was his daughter well but she's not choices well because even as his assistant she doesn't do much in the way of assisting yeah. she's just kind of there true so we've kind of taken a step back as far as the feminism in these movies. And uh, the other young person, uh, Ayagi, Oyagi, he's a reporter. And I keep meaning to point this out. Mm. Reporters feature very prominently in these movies. Yeah, they do. Uh, and, and it seems to be more so in the Japanese ones, going all the way back to, well... I was going to say going back to Godzilla, but that's in the Americanization of Godzilla that the reporter is important. In the Japanese version, there isn't really a reporter. Yeah. Uh, but still, maybe that's where they got the idea. Because uh, a lot of these movies have the reporter front and center, yeah. which I just find interesting pre presenting them as uh, heroes, which used to be a common idea. I mean, look at Clark Kent. Sure, yeah. But, uh, but wah, wah. <laughs> Unlike these days when people are calling the press the yeah. enemy of the state. I feel like we should just play a System of a Down song right here. <laughs> so Gamera destroys the expedition ship and escapes. Sightings of flying saucers soon surface in Japan. One of the people calls the flying saucer a will-o'-wisp. 
Oh, it's yeah. So cool. I was like, oh, what's a yeah. will o' wisp? I feel like I've heard that before. Oh yeah, will uh, will o' the wisp is uh, a thing in folklore. Oh, okay. I'm not sure it's part of Japanese folklore. Oh my gosh, you're right. But you know, yeah. it's translation. Totally, totally. It's a thing in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, also. Oh really? But it's basically a light in the distance that usually like in the forest or the swamp or something and you see a little light you're not sure what it is and you follow it yeah i was thinking that i guess it leads you willow wisps in a brave have you seen brave with merida it's it's pixar yeah, yeah that's maybe where i heard it yeah. yeah and i think they probably really come just from like swamp gas or something like that and then swamp turn into a legendary thing yeah or it could even be, you know, seeing uh, the moon or something oh, through the yeah, trees and not realizing that's what it is. So, uh, but yeah, he he calls it that instead of a flying saucer. That guy is our sort of typical. Is that our drunk guy? Just random drunk yeah. guy walking. <laughs> yeah, walking along at night sees a thing. He didn't do the, he didn't do the pouring out or throwing away the the bottle or anything like that though. So yeah, then we meet uh, Toshio, Toshito. who I think in the Sandy Frank version is called Timmy. Oh no! <laughs> or or well, he called. I know his his um his turtle his his toy turtle toy turtle his pet turtle is called uh, Tibby instead of Chibi in the Sandy Frank version. Oh god. Because uh, Tom Tom Servo sings a whole song about it. <laughs> Kenny. No, I think he's Kenny in the... Uh, the kid is Kenny in the Sandy Frank. Kenny Toe. Anyway, this kid is... This kid is obsessed with turtles. We actually get a scene first of his sister running into his teacher from school who's <laughs> like, uh, hey, yeah. your brother is causing a problem. He, he won't stop drawing turtles. <laughs> It's becoming a problem because he won't like study anything else. He just draws turtles all damn day. You, you got to do something about it. So at home, father and sister make him release his turtle, his pet Aww. turtle. He's depressed because he has to release the turtle, but he also seems depressed before that. I think the reason he has the turtle is because he's got <laughs> no human friends. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And then. His family encounters Gamera, who attacks their lighthouse. Gam Gam. Dad's job is being lighthouse keeper. I do love whenever uh, Toshio releases his little turtle. He's like, you behave yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a fucking turtle. <laughs> and then it's like, Gamera comes up and it's like, oh, right. shit. Yes. Just after he's released his turtle, Gamera pops up over the edge of the cliff. That little rascal. <laughs> and... In depending on which version you're watching later, when he goes to look for Chibi, his pet turtle, he can't find him. And he appears to have taken him down to the shore and then buried him under some rocks mm -hmm. so he won't get away because he goes and moves these rocks and the turtle's gone. Anyway, depending on what version you're watching, he either thinks the turtle was scared off by Gamera or turned into Gamera. Yeah. We also get our first very derpy shot of Gam Gams right here. His eyes are just not quite right. They're kind of looking like one's <laughs> looking one way and one's looking sort of the same direction, but it's just a fraction off and it just looks like derp. <laughs> 
But uh, Toshio has climbed up the lighthouse, so when Gamera starts wrecking it, he's dangling off the side. But then Gamera puts his paw out and catches the kid and puts him down. Yeah, he saves him. So he's not a destructive asshole. Toshio becomes attached to Gamera. Who's 200 feet tall. Uh, I mean, Um, he does tear a lot of shit up. Yeah, he does. He just, because he reflexively reached out and caught this one falling thing, (laughs) he is therefore a friend to children. Yeah. (laughs) A friend to children. Well, this this gets um, highlighted more in the future films. The... Um, people really did latch on to that scene and that idea, which the writers were hoping for, that he'd be more sympathetic if he didn't, you know, just eat that kid. Yeah. And so they decided to really play up that concept going forward that he's a friend to children. I think that it makes sense, too, in the version where uh, Toshi thinks that uh Gamera is Pee-wee that like maybe that's why he would save him. Like if he mm. thinks it's Pee-wee turned into Gamera, then of course like Pee-wee, his little pet turtle, is gonna reach out and save him. Upon returning to Japan, Dr. Hidaki, Kyoko, and Ayagi accompany the military when Gamera approaches a thermonuclear plant because Philo, they've got to be there for everything. Despite attempts to prevent its approach, Gamera proceeds to attack the power plant and devours the flames around it. Yes, friends and neighbors, Gamera eats fire. He not only breathes it, but he eats it. Fire power. Dr. Hidaki consults with Dr. Murase, and the military recommends using experimental freezing bombs. Because all weapons are useless and just giving it nutrients or nutritioning yep. it or some shit. <laughs> you mean feeding it? <laughs> yeah, but they literally say nutritioning. <laughs> okay. I wrote it down. Nutritioning uh, question mark? <laughs> Uh, the bombs postpone Gamera's assault as the military rig the area with explosives and succeed in turning the monster on its back. And one of them, I think it's Hidaki, says, just like all turtles, once he's on his back, he's hopeless, helpless. I lost it at this point. This made me <laughs> laugh so hard. I'm like, really? Oh my yeah. gosh, this is so funny. Gamera and then pulls also in its everyone limbs. yelled... When he gets thrown on his back, I'm like, hurrah. Did we all just yell hurrah? Is that a real thing that people really yell? Come on. I guess they do. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Poor Gams. Gamera pulls in its limbs, expels flames, and takes flight, spinning around like a flying saucer. Yeah, I was so impressed with this twist. I I never saw this coming. I was really confused when we saw the flying saucer. Like, what the hell is that? Like, what? And then when Gamera turned into the flying saucer, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, you didn't realize earlier that that's what it was? No, no, I did not. I didn't realize why that was like important or, or what it had to do with. Mm-mm, no idea. Well, you know, because I had, was already familiar with that, I'm not sure what I would have thought. 
I already knew that he did that. So I knew it was him. I mean, I, I, I thought maybe, like, he flew, like, maybe they were, like, space turtles and they came in on a saucer or something. But I didn't realize the saucer <laughs> was the turtle. <laughs> Oh, so uh at some point also, at some point there's a really nice line here too or maybe it's not a nice line it's a sad line but there's like this old couple and the they're talking about i can't remember like saying something anyways the lady says we see many terrible things if we live too long and i was like damn that was deep yeah well she's probably a you know sur- maybe a survivor of of the Hiroshima war, yeah. Nagasaki, or the war in general, yeah. Oh, uh, it, was, it was a sad moment. So, at some point during all this, though, uh, Toshio and his family are hanging around. Because then, later, Toshio and his sister, uh, Nobuyo, visit Dr. Hidaki, Hidaka while staying in Tokyo with their uncle. Yeah. They just show up and say, hey, remember us? We're here. Hey, uh, you, did you hear about that giant turtle that, like, destroyed some shit? Yeah, it destroyed our lighthouse. We need to stay with you for a minute. Oh, but there is this little kid here, the one who throws out the stones. Um, yes. I love his line where he's talking about Toshio, and he's like, for a freeloader, he's a real jerk. Oh, I guess that was must have been his cousin then. Yeah. I thought it was just some punk kid on the street, but I guess that was the uncle and the cousin. Anyway, they visit the doctor and Toshio explains to Dr. Hidaka that Gamera is lonely and not evil. No. Uh, and yeah, then there's this Then there's this scene on the street where he's gathered a bunch of stones in a bag. Why was he doing this? They were apparently peewees or chibis, um, little, chibis. <laughs> his yeah, depending favorite on stones. what his, his house stones, like his, oh, okay. they were his so, little, like his little apartment stones. Right. <laughs> so th- this was somehow going to help with Gamera, I guess, at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was going to, cause he, he think, or yeah, basically. And but he, he wouldn't uh, yeah. show him to the other to his cousin and wanted to see him, and he was like, "No." So his cousin took him out to the water and flushed him. Just threw him, threw him in the <laughs> in the river. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Hidaka, meanwhile, has observed that Gamera consumes fossil fuels and may seek atomic bombs for their energy. Meanwhile, disasters and accidents start to occur. Koto Ward is struck by flash floods and ships collide in Tokyo Bay. Dr. Hidaka claims that maybe Gamera... Sorry, this is misprinted. Dr. Hidaka claims that maybe Gamera is the cause due to hiding in the bay. An international scientific conference is called upon, and they decide to use the Z-plan based on Oshima Island. Yeah, we went from plan uh, A, which was like pew, 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 <laughs> to plan B, which was like, um, what was plan B? We fired the that ray. didn't work. The freeze ray, the free, right. That only the, worked for 10 minutes. The flame. And now we're uh, at Z. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to go back a little, though, before we uh, 
oh, going yeah. further. Please. Early, early on, when the planes, unidentified planes, are flying over the Arctic, and the um, U.S. is deploying their planes to escort them, and then they end up having to shut, shoot them down because they won't identify themselves. Oh. So we we yeah. get. A, a scene of of some American military people, you know, discussing the situation and giving out orders and stuff. So they obviously cast the only white people they could find who were living in Japan, not actors, because these guys are terrible. One of them's one of them is the worst of all, but they're all really bad so bad that when it came to making the american version they replaced all those scenes that were already in english but they were deemed unusable for an english-speaking audience so they film they filmed new scenes kind of doing the same information but they didn't just refilm that scene they created a new more detailed scene where they included some some drive-by sexism towards the one woman in the office did you not get to see this version i guess not there's some there's some uh i don't know what her rank was but you know there's one woman in the office but she's wearing a uniform and Two of the guys are kind of hitting on her and talking about, uh, hey, I know you got a no entry sign hanging up, but or close for business sign or some shit. But uh, you can't blame a guy for trying. When are you going to go out with me? And and yeah, they they just do some of that smarmy stuff, uh, which she takes in stride. Um, I can't remember if she agrees to go out with the guy or she just shuts him down. But the thing is, these characters disappear after this scene and they're telling us way too much about them that we don't need to know because we're not going to see them again. Annoying. Uh, some of the military guys will will see a little bit more. There is, in the American version, one black guy in oh. the military scenes. What? He's a sergeant. He's not, you know some demeaning job he, he's in a uniform he's a sergeant oh yeah but so at first it seems like oh hey this is progressive but every time he says something the general basically tells him to shut up <laughs> oh he's like get back to work johnson or whatever his name is all right sergeant that's enough out of you get back to doing what you're supposed to do and it's just really um abrasive he just seems to be a little harder on this one black sergeant than he is on everybody else he's not pleasant to anybody but if this guy tries to have any input to the discussion he's just like get back to your job and then throughout the movie yeah throughout the movie they intersperse these scenes with like a congressional committee who's discussing the situation uh there's a general and a senator who looks like henry kissinger but doesn't sound like henry kissinger 
and the senator is just a butt the whole time he's like oh, what is all this giant turtle nonsense and do you have the authority of their president to do what you're trying to do here and he just his job is just to object to stuff there's also this little tv show um not quite a panel it's the host and then two guys with opposing views talking Ooh. about whether or not the turtle's real or what should be done about it or something. And a lot of this seems to be an attempt at some kind of commentary or satire. Uh, but it's really just, hey, we got to throw some more Americans in here because <laughs> Americans are going to watch this. Yeah, there is so, also a, a part two where, uh, where Gamera roasts a bunch of people just just a group of people just fire breathe them and yeah yeah well according to the kill count wiki it's 104 people that he stomps and breathes fire on and crushes in one way or another so that is uh <laughs> it's not the highest we've had but it's certainly not the yeah. lowest uh <laughs> So anyway, um, Plan Z. at uh, at an international uh, conference, yes, Plan Z, based at Oshima Island, Gamera lands at Haneda Airport and proceeds to wreak havoc in Tokyo. Toshio in and his family tiny, evacuate. Tiny Tokyo town. <laughs> <laughs> Toshio and his family evacuate, but Toshio runs away. The military keep Gamera at bay at an oil refinery by feeding it petroleum via trains. <laughs> they just load up a bunch of tanker cars on trains and just run them down the track at Gamera. And they do this while the Z plan continues preparations. At uh, Nobuyo... Oh, and I think, yeah, we see Toshio during this scene because he tries to jump mm -hmm. on one of the train cars and ride yeah, he's like, towards Gamera. Leave me alone to be with my turtle. Let me be yeah. by my turtle. Yeah. Uh, this kid is not well. Uh, as uh, Nobuyo searches for her brother, Toshio makes attempts to breach restricted areas to see Gamera until he is caught at Oshima, uh, which is what I was just talking about. Dr. Murase later informs Nobuyo of Toshio's, uh, of Toshio's safety. The Z-Plan is eventually completed, and Gamera is lured to Oshima by lighting an oil slick path. However, a typhoon blows the fire out. So yeah, that, they, I think they pour a bunch of oil on the water and then light it up so he'll follow it. Yeah. Oyagi starts a bonfire to lure back Gamera. Oh, let me... <laughs> The reporter was supposed to have gone somewhere else and he just sneaks in and starts setting yeah. shit on fire because he's the only one who has a plan to set to attract him by setting shit on fire. I don't know. Yeah. And oh, can we talk about like him and the and bard? Can we talk about him and Kyoko for a minute? Sure. So at the be near the beginning of the movie after they they're on the plane leaving the Arctic after they did not get killed when the rest of the, the ship they came in on got destroyed and everybody else got killed. And Oyagi explains to the doctor and Kyoko how 
there were eight other photographers on the boat and they all wanted mm-hmm. to come, but he <laughs> won the draw. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they drew straws and another guy tried to buy his straw from him, but no, he wanted it because he wanted to be with her. He wanted to be around her. Yeah. And now they're all dead and <laughs> he considers her his goddess of luck. Yikes. And she does not seem into this at all. <laughs> yeah. He see I don't know if it's being played this way on purpose or or what, but she seems slightly creeped out by his attentions cuz then he keeps following them around partly, you know, doing his reporter job, but the but he does keep saying things about, well, I got to be with my goddess of luck and whatever, and he keeps kind of hitting on her but not quite but yeah being a little obsessive about her being his goddess of luck and at no point does she actually encourage him (laughs) so i just found that whole i mean we've had a lot of tepid romances in these movies but i don't think we've seen one yet where one party was just not at all interested interested. (laughs) and creeped out so Damn it. Uh, I, I just, I just Damara, wanted to bring that you know up. what I mean? Damara. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, later on, he just starts setting a building on fire, and they try to stop him, and then it's like, <laughs> oh, it's him. What the hell are you doing? He's like, don't you understand? We got to <laughs> set this building on fire so Gamera will come this way. Uh, and then a nearby volcano erupts, yeah, successfully like, luring Gamera back. The next yeah, day, but... the Z-Plan is put into action. Gamera is lured into a... Well, okay, I'm not going to read that yet. I'm, I'm going to describe it first. <laughs> yeah, please explain this to me. Because I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> the, there's this area. They've cleared the land, and there's some sort of pavement. And there's a, a circle and two uh, sort of rectangles coming out from it. And they have set up little gas flames around the circle to lure Gamera into this circle. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> when <laughs> once he's in the circle, I think they turn the flames off and then the lines going out from the circle open up and two halves of a nose cone rise up out of the ground and trap Gamera in sort of a sphere. Huzzah, plan which, <laughs> yes. Which is the nose cone of a giant rocket that then... <laughs> takes off launching Gamera to Mars. The world celebrates and Toshio tells Dr. Hidaka he will become a scientist so he can visit Gamera. His friend. Gamera's my friend. Toshiro bids the monster farewell. Gamera is his friend in the same way that Rosario Dawson is my friend. In that she is completely unaware of this friendship. Hilarious. Aww. (laughs) so there you are folks holy shit camera the invincible not however immune to trickery (laughs) (laughs) so they conveniently though send him to mars isn't he just gonna like fly his ass right back like he can fly so is he gonna like get out of the rocket or is he just gonna die in the rocket without oxygen or like what what what? They didn't make it clear whether this rocket is set up to release him once it hits Mars. <laughs> that yeah, I'm was like, not what? at all. 
I feel like clear. it's like when you catch um like an ant in a jar and then you uh-huh. just it, you forget like it, it, it's just for like is he gonna what? I have questions <laughs> <laughs> so many questions because I feel like I really liked Gamera more than I thought I was going to I was shocked that he was a turtle I was shocked that he could fly um but i liked this movie and i liked him i thought that the costume was great like i said there was some things visually i'm totally gonna give this movie like a 3.5 stars maybe even a four (laughs) i would say um but also i did i didn't see all of the like mystery science theater riff tracks i probably wouldn't have been able to take it seriously had i seen those first so (laughs) but i didn't Uh, well yeah you you should watch those when you have the chance. And <laughs> as I said, they do several of these in the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Hell yeah. I like Gams. Gams! Let's see. I'm trying to see which one is next in our... Okay. Ga- well, it's not our next episode, but the next Gamera film is just a year later. Oh, shit. Gamera versus Baragon. Baragon. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah, it looks like they put out one a year for a while. 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, oh, 70, yeah. and 71. And then there's not another one until 1980. And then in 95, 96, and 99, we have that trilogy I was mentioning. And then Gamera the Brave doesn't come out till 2006. Dang. Well, I would say Gamera for me is like kind of on the same, like it's no Mothra, but it's kind of like on the same level as Beast of 20,000 Fathoms. Like I liked the kaiju. I liked the monster. I enjoyed it. Uh, Well, good. I'm glad. I think I'm going to give it a three. There you go, folks. Gamera. Uh, Gamera. As I say, it's available available on Amazon Prime. I believe all of them are available on Amazon Prime right now. And the American version was available on Prime through IMBD TV. So that one had ads. Free with ads. Uh, I also saw it available on Tubi with ads, I think. Oh, is it? Probably. If if you you don't have Prime. A lot of uh, these movies are on Tubi and Pluto. Nice. I think uh, next week, Honeybee, I'm going to switch our schedule a little bit. Oh, okay. I was going to do Invasion of Astro Monster. Yeah. But then I realized that Frankenstein Conquers the World actually was released first. Okay. They're both from 1965, but Frankenstein Conquers the World actually came out first earlier in the year. Cool. It does have some of the same people in it, so I think we should watch them in that movie first and then... So now, folks, Frankenstein Conquers the World, for some reason, is a little difficult to find streaming, Hmm. but you might find it archived on the Internet somewhere if you follow my drift. (laughs) So good luck with that, folks. (laughs) If you follow my drift. So see if you can track that down archived somewhere. And join us next week for Frankenstein Conquers the World. Until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey B. Folks, remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please, don't misuse science. 
We will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacano folk rock punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.